and through you today. I certainly believe that he's got great stuff in store for us. Um, and I hope you received a bulletin on your way in. I do invite you to take some time to look through that. Um, there should be helpful information on there. And if there's any further questions, you can always go to our website, woodlandlifecenter.com where uh, you should be able to find even more detail, or certainly you can call us at the church, and uh, we'd love to talk to you and bring you in the loop on anything that you want to be brought in the loop on. Um, but uh, what I, And this morning, our youth group, one other thing, our youth group is in Zuni uh, on their mission trip. So we've got about 50 folks that are, you know, to get in two, three different, two different places than us this morning. So we wanna, we're going to take some time to pray for all of them as they're traveling, but especially our youth group. They begin their work today. Um, they traveled the last couple of days. And uh, so we'll, we'll take some time at prayer time to pray over them that God will anoint their work. I do want to invite you to stand with me. And shake a few hands. You might have time to shake everyone's hand. That's great. And uh, let's join together in celebration.
morning, church. Well, it's a fifth Sunday this month, so we're going to have a hymn sing today, if you're all right with that. That felt like worship calisthenics. All right. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the
Lord Jesus, you alone are our treasure, our inheritance. Lord, this morning, we make the choice to release our worldly desires this morning, Jesus. The things that we strive for, the world says are important, riches, power, fame, earthly safety, Lord. We know that those things are, are earthly and we choose, God, to focus on you and the blessings that you shower on us every day. sing riches I heed not with me one more time Jim. riches I heed not nor man's empty praise thou mine inheritance thou and always thou and thou only thou first in thy heart You are our king. We choose to declare that you are the Lord of our lives. You are the Lord of this earth. You are the Lord of this room right now, Jesus. And Lord God, we exalt you as our king today. We exalt you as our treasure, our delight. God, the one that we, we, chase, so we chase after, we pursue God, the one that we want, the one who satisfies us, that is you, Lord Jesus, you alone. Oh, Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the
Shout amen. amen. Lord Jesus, we call on your name today. At your name, all of heaven and earth cries out in praise. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that you and you alone are Lord. And we declare that with our lips today. Not only with our lips, but we declare it with our whole selves. You and you alone are God. The God of all creation. All things have been created through you and for you. Our praise today is directed right at you, Jesus. You are the King of kings, you are the Lord of lords. And this is our reality because you loved us so much that a little over 2,000 years ago you became a man. You the God of all the heavens, 
crammed yourself into flesh and you walked around showing the love of God, proclaiming the forgiveness of sins, and then you accomplished the work by stretching your arms out on a cross and allowing nails to be driven in your hands and your feet. You bled and died to take away our sins. And so we can sing today a declaration of truth, a declaration of reality, a declaration of life change that because of you, Jesus, we are saved. Because of you, we have heaven to look forward to. Because of you, the reality on earth is not the end result. Because of you, Jesus, even the darkest of our circumstances is not a period today. It's simply a comma. For there is more of the sentence yet to come. You have brought change in our lives and it's not just a forever change. Yes, we can celebrate today because we have all of heaven, all of eternity to look forward to celebrating your salvation. But the change happens now for us. Our trajectories can change even now. Your salvation is for us now. So with that acknowledgement, with that reality, we... We make a choice now. We, we come to you now with our needs. And we entrust them into your hands. And church, I want to invite you right now for over just a minute or two, talk to him. It's you and Jesus time. Talk to him about you, your family, your, your needs, your burdens, your cares and concerns, your struggles. Bring those to him now and lay them at the feet of Jesus. It's you and Jesus' time. Jesus, as we are bringing our personal needs before you now, we, we bring some of our corporate needs before you now. Our youth group is serving this week in Zuni. One of our Native American tribes who are extremely poor and in great need nearly like dropping themselves inside of a third world kind of a reality 
tonight, we come around those teenagers and those adults who have committed to serving this community, and we pray that you, number one, you protect them and empower them to accomplish your purposes, to be your hands and your feet there in Zuni, no matter who they're working with or alongside, including each other. May your grace and your mercy and your love and your forgiveness just flow freely in them and through them. I'm praying that you will transform our own teens because of this event. I'm praying that that you will speak to their hearts and their minds and, 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 and perhaps there are some that you have a calling that you want to put on their lives, that you have put on their life and you want to make them aware of that or you want to cause them to begin to experience the joy of serving. And so I, I just, I pray that you will accomplish your purposes in them and through them this week. We pray for Pastor Scott. Give him the strength to lead throughout the week. May he not become weary in doing good. May he just have supernatural strength and grace and mercy for a bunch of teenagers. Thank you for his leadership, for the love that he has for them. May they really, truly grow unified through this week as a, as a group. Thank you for those that, uh, that came together at Cotopaxi this past, this, this weekend and, and are worshiping together and are and, and enjoying some relaxing time, but really becoming community as well. Pray over all of them that, that they will travel safely back here. We just, we thank you for this church family, this group of people who long to be together and long to be together in your presence like we are now. You know the individual needs, the marital needs, the family needs, the community needs, the business needs that are all represented in this room and and we bring them to you today and we lay them at your feet. We, we entrust our stuff into your care today. Jesus, you know our, our financial needs, what I talked about last week. This, this money we need to finish up some of these projects, some of these loose ends here. We just continue to entrust that 20,000 into your hands, believing that you will provide, that you will make a way. Thank you for your faithfulness that has continued to lead this church throughout the years and we know we believe we have absolute confidence you will continue to do so this is your place we are your people called by your name so we choose today to humble ourselves before you we make the choice today to turn to your word we open it up and we dig we feed today. May your word be food for our lives. May it give us light. 
whether it's a lamp unto our feet, just enough that we can know what our next step is, or maybe, maybe today it will provide light out onto the path and give long-term direction, whatever, whichever way, it's still bringing us light. We adhere to your will and your way. And we pray these things in the mighty, mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. You may be seated. And as you are doing so, I'd like to invite our ushers to come. And we want to prepare to continue worshiping through our giving. As we have already prayed, Jesus, you are our provider. So take what we have to offer you today. Use it, bless it, multiply it, accomplish your kingdom purposes with it. Build your church with it, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Riches I heed not, nor man's empty pain. I want to invite you to the book of First Samuel, chapter one. You'll find First Samuel just before Second Samuel, if that helps. First Samuel, chapter one. We're in the time of the judges. The Judges is this interesting time in Israel's history between Joshua's death and Israel's first king, King Saul. Joshua is, was the successor of Moses. Moses died before being able to enter into the promised land. Joseph took the reins and led Israel into the promised land. And that was many, many battles, many victories, many struggles. But they have now come to this place where they have all found their homes. They've built their homes. They're in their lands. And, and, and the nation of Israel um, is existing as it should be. There is no king in place. And so the time of Judges is for the most part, a, a fairly dark period of Israel's history. Most of the time, 
they're doing evil, they're doing their own way, they're not following the decrees of the Lord. And then there are these occasions where the Lord will raise up a judge, a leader, someone that will sort of lead all of the nation of Israel into battle of some sort, some kind of overcoming thing. They will turn back to the Lord during this time usually, and then they will fall back away. And so this period of time, three to four hundred years, somewhere in there, um, is it's just really an up and down time, probably mostly down in the history of Israel. When we come into the beginning of 1 Samuel, we, were, we are heading towards the end of this period of time. In fact, Samuel is Israel's last judge. Samuel will be the one that will anoint King Saul and then ultimately King David. And um, so the, we, we get into the beginning of Samuel's life. Eli is the one that is serving as, as priest. And it's, he's quite an unfortunate character in Scripture. Um, Eli has two sons that are serving as priests. They're completely wicked. Um, and they, not only are they not doing the Lord's will, following the Lord's ways, but oftentimes they are in this business of the priesthood just for personal gain. So bribery, all, all these kind of things, lots of deceit. The, um, Eli's sons are just completely wicked. And, and Eli is, is at, a, at a place where he, there's nothing he can do about it, so he thinks, so he's come to believe. And you kind of find Eli, I think, um, in, in a place where he's, it, it seems like he's kind of given up as as a leader, as, as, as a leader of his family, and, and even as a, a leader in his role as serving as priest. Um, and, and so this is where we pick up the reading. So right at verse 1, chapter 1 of 1 Samuel. Here's what it says. There was a certain man from Ramathaim, a Zufite from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Jer- Jeroham, the son of Elihu. And I'm sure I've destroyed many of those words. The son of Tohu, the son of Zuf. He was an Ephraimite. He had two wives, which was his first mistake. He had two wives. One was called Hannah and the other Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had none. Year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife Penina and to all her sons and daughters, his children. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her. But the Lord had closed her womb. 
Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. Let's just pause there for a moment. I don't suppose that you've watched the show Sister Wives, but polygamy, okay, even though we find it in the Old Testament, when you, when you look at this, you find drama every time. It's trouble. It's trouble. Okay? And when you, if you've ever watched Sister Wives, and I confess to you that I have because I'm just like, I just, I'm just waiting for the train to wreck. Okay? I'm watching it because I know the train is going to come right off the rails. It has to. And they present it, though, they present it like it's, it's all love and everything is hunky-dory and, and these wives are just, they're, they're just best friends and, uh, and, and that's how it's presented. But as you walk through Scripture here, I, the way it's, it's presented here in 1 Samuel pretty much just nails it. It says, her rival continues to provoke her. And this is how... This is how it gets set up in story after story, whether you're talking about uh, Sarah and Hagar, which Hagar wasn't really officially a wife, but Abraham took her on as a wife so that, so that um, she could bear children on behalf of Sarah, and they became rivals. You can look at Jacob with Rachel and Leah. It was not Jacob's choice to marry Leah. Laban had deceived Jacob, and suddenly he woke up the next morning, and it was the wrong woman. It was the, the wrong person. He didn't intend to marry her, but then, but then he ended up marrying the one he really loved, and they were rivals. And you see this, this story kind of unfold in, in multiple generations. And here we are with Elkanah, and he has chosen to take on two wives. Penina has no trouble bearing children for Elkanah, but, but Hannah has, has been barren. But it's clear here that Elkanah loves Hannah. He has a great love for her. In fact, it doesn't even say that he loves the other one. And this just provokes rivalry. In, in this culture, um, bearing children was, it, it, it was pro, product, productivity. It, it, it was success. For Hannah to be barren um, made her look like a failure as a wife, uh, as, a, as a woman, uh, as the, the mother that, that she should be, that she's supposed to be, and it's, it's not existing, it's not happening. And so Penina continues to provoke her. Ha, you, you are a lousy woman. You could just imagine what it's like for Hannah hanging out beside Penina as Penina just continues to jab her over and over. God is against you. God's clearly against you, and he's for me. Oh, yeah, you may, 
you may think that your husband loves you, even, even when he offers you a double portion of the, of the meal, you, 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 may, you may think that he loves you, but really, he's disappointed in you. He's frustrated with you, and God is against you. Look at me. Look at all that I've been able to accomplish. You've accomplished nothing. And this is just happening. It's perpetual. It's continual. And there's no escape from it. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Her husband, Elkanah, would say to her, Hannah, my love, my darling, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you so downhearted? Don't, don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Isn't my love for you enough, Hannah? Perhaps she's thinking, well, then why'd you marry the other one? Uh, Elkanah is obviously troubled at how brokenhearted Hannah is, how downcast she's become to the point that even when he's offering her this great stuff, she rejects it. She, she's fasting because of this depression, because of this, this failure, this struggle that is happening on the inside and that is quite apparent even on the outside. So it moves on this way. Once, when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli, the priest, so we're back to Eli. He's back on the scene here. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In Hannah's deep anguish, she prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And in the midst of this, she made a vow. Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery, my misery, and remember me, and not forget your servant, but if you would give her a son, if you would just give me a son, I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. So just in, so that we can understand what she's saying here. Now, first of all, it, it was the custom that when, when you had your first son, he was dedicated to the Lord anyways. That, that was the first thing they would do as Jews. So it's not a major declaration that I, if you give me a son, I, I, he will be dedicated to you. That was something they all did anyways. But she's got an extra dedication that is happening here. I am going to give him completely to you, one. And number two, I'm going to, he, uh, Razor is never going to touch his head. In other words, he's going to be a Nazarite. He's going to take the Nazarite vow. 
which is essentially a vow of, of complete dedication and servitude towards the Lord. Uh, the most famous Nazarite was who? Samson, okay? One of the judges that has already been raised up in Israel during this time of the judges. Samson. So we're all familiar with Samson, Samson and Delilah, and, and Samson's story. He was a Nazarite. His power came because scissors had never touched his hair. That is, that is the essence of his story. Hannah's making a declaration. If you would just give me a son, I will completely hand him back over to you. He will be in complete service to you, not just dedicated to you, but in complete service to you. And he will walk in with the Nazarite pledge, the Nazarite vow. And there's more to it than just not cutting hair. But that, that's essentially a complete dedication that Hannah is declaring here. If you will only answer my prayer. Verse 12, as she kept on praying to the Lord. Eli, from across the room, observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. And Eli thought she was drunk. Now, see, th this, this, is, this testifies to me where, where Eli is at. It's, it's, our, it's, it's another cue for us that Eli is, is not in a good place. He's not in the right place. He, he, he's not even in a place where as a priest he can observe when somebody is praying. He, he doesn't even recognize prayer when it's happening, anguish prayer when it's happening. His first assumption is that she's drunk. This also gives us a, a clue as to the kind of reality that is happening in this day and age. If the priest's first assumption is that the woman over here is drunk, it probably means that this is a fairly common thing that is happening in those days. So you're, you can see big picture here, Israel's off the rails, okay? It's... It, it, things are not functioning the way they were designed to be functioning. Here we are again in a period of time where Israel is off the rails to the point where the priest that is on duty can't even is not even recognizing prayer when it's happening. And his first assumption is this person has had way too much to drink. They're just functioning in a drunken state just like the day before or the day before that. that that's kind of the the. the the picture we're getting here, okay? And so he responds to her. How long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Not so, my Lord, Hannah replies. And I can imagine immediately as soon as he hears her voice and realizes the voice is coming straight out of her anguish. Immediately, he's put on check, put on blast. I had this all wrong. She can hear it. He can hear it in her voice. Not so, my Lord. I'm a woman who is deeply troubled. I haven't been drinking wine or beer. 
I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Please don't take me as a wicked woman. But I've been praying here out of my great anguish and my grief. And Eli, awakened to the, what's happening, awakened to the reality, responds, go in peace. And may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. She replies, may your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. Perhaps this is a picture of her finally praying through. Have you ever been so intent in prayer? Have you ever been so heavily burdened? Anguished in heart even. That in your prayer time, you, can, you continue to come before the Lord, and you continue to come before the Lord, and you continue to come before the Lord to the point where the words stopped coming out. The anguish was still there, but maybe your mouth was moving, but there was no longer words. And then at some point, that burden is just lifted. The old timers call that praying through. Now, we're, we're a fast food society, okay? We, we are trained that hit the drive through window and we, 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 we get results immediately. We're trained that in 30 minutes you can, you can watch a TV show and you can go to great tension and in about 15 minutes that tension gets at its heightened part and then by the end of the 30 minutes, it's all resolved, and you walk away, and you move on to the next thing. We're, we're, we're a fast food world now, okay? But sometimes these, these life situations, sometimes these things that are, that are before us that we find ourselves in requires fervent prayer, consistent prayer, un, unceasing prayer, and it means that we gotta we have to move beyond the fast food thing, okay? We gotta move beyond that quick sitcom mentality with, with our with our tensions. And we gotta continue to come before the Lord, giving ourselves over to the Lord until maybe even until the point where no longer can we find new words to say. Where we've said every single word that we can possibly think of to describe the intensity, to describe the anguish, to describe the reality, and we to where it's suddenly, the anguish, it's still there, but there's just no more words to say, and you just, but you continue to come before the Lord with it, with the emotion, with the intensity, with the burden, until there's that breakthrough. I think we see this with Hannah. 
that maybe she just needed Eli's words. Okay, may the Lord grant it to you. Maybe that's all she needed. She didn't know what the result of all that, but you can tell that she gets up and it's like the burden is lifted and she can eat and she can move forward in life. I think she prayed through. Early the next morning, they all arose and worshiped before the Lord and then went back to their home at Ramah. Elkanah made love to his wife Hannah and the Lord remembered her. And so in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. When her husband Elkanah went up with all his family to offer the annual sacrifice to the Lord and to fulfill his vow, Hannah did not go. She said to her husband, after the boy is weaned, I will take him and present him before the Lord, and he will live there always. Do what seems best to you, he says to her. Stay here until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord make good his word. So the woman stayed at home and nursed her son until she had weaned him. After he was weaned, she took the boy with her, young as he was, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour, and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. When the bull had been sacrificed, they brought the boy to Eli and said to him, Pardon me, my Lord, as surely as you live. I am the woman, just a few years ago, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord in anguish. Perhaps you remember me, you thought I was drunk. I prayed for this child and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now, I bring Samuel to the Lord. For his whole life, he will be given over to the Lord. And Samuel worshiped the Lord there. Hannah, in her great distress, poured herself out before the Lord, just saying, if you would just grant me this one thing, I will hand him straight over to you. She followed through on that promise, handed Samuel back over, and her womb remained open, and she had four other children, two boys, two other girls. The Lord just poured out his blessing on her. Her disgrace was removed. She made a commitment. She, she made a dedication to the Lord and followed through on that promise. But it required this sacrificial praying. She had to kind of become a woman of prayer. Even in the midst of, of a time when, when that was so uncommon that the priest didn't even recognize it. 
Even, even, even in a time, it, it should have been not. It should have not just been recognized as prayer. But I mean, she's she's in the place where prayers and offerings are are to be offered are supposed to be happening. This should have been common, but it was completely uncommon apparently. Her story comes before us today. And and maybe it comes before us today because because we're some of us in here are are, are carrying burdens. And perhaps we've we've lost the art of praying through. Maybe um, some of us in here have never even attempted that. This may be the first time you've even heard of that phrase, praying through. And her story kind of comes before us today in a surprising fashion. Maybe we struggle with the idea that God would close someone's womb. The, uh, the inequality that, that appears in this story. Why does Hannah suffer when she seems to be the one with the good heart, the one with the, 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 the right demeanor, and Penina, the provoker, the rival, the bitter one, is the one that is experiencing the blessing with all the children. We, we might wonder, how, how can God function that in such an unequal way? Yet, 1 Samuel chapter 1 begins to, when we pull back from the, from the details of the story and we start looking at the bigger picture, we see the product of this struggle is Samuel. And as we move forward in, in, in Samuel's life, we see immediately, even starting at a young age, Samuel is able to hear the voice of the Lord. Though he hasn't been trained to hear, though he hasn't been trained to recognize it, you just the next, the next story, this, this, this thing begins to happen with Samuel. He begins to hear the voice of the Lord. The Lord begins to speak directly to this young boy's heart and mind. And Samuel is raised up as the last judge of Israel, bringing Israel to a place where they move out of this darkened time frame known as the judges into the time of the kings. See, maybe the Lord's silence in our lives sometimes. Hannah might come to our mind and we might find a, 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 the, the strength to believe 
that God is still at work even though we haven't heard him respond. That maybe there's a bigger picture. That though we may feel like Hannah, we may, we may be suffering, we may be, we may be anguishing, we may be struggling through whatever might be happening circumstantially, and we wonder why has God rejected us? Why has God abandoned us? Why has he why why is he not answering? Why is he not responding? Why is he not blessing? All these things, and, and the enemy steps in and begins to provoke. The enemy of our hearts and our minds and our bodies begins to provoke us, harass us. And Hannah might come, Hannah's story might come right before us and we might just allow the Holy Spirit to remind us God is still God and he's still at work. His love is unchanging. And even though we may may have prayed in this to the point where there's no more words, we can continue to pray. We can allow the Holy Spirit to continue to pour out our hearts until maybe there might come a point where we have prayed through. Praying through church does not mean immediate answer. Praying through, by the way, does not mean immediate results. Praying through does not equal immediate solution. The story may continue the the end result may continue to hang out there uh i i've i've known parents that have been praying for lost children and they prayed and they've anguished and they've cried and they poured themselves out and they've anguished and they've cried and they poured themselves out and they've anguished and they've cried and they poured themselves out and then they get to the point where they're anguishing and crying but there's no more pouring out because not, there's, no more, there's no more words. Everything has been said and, and the child continues to still wander and the child is now a young adult but continues to still wander and continues to still wander and, the, and then suddenly the parent finds that the burden has been lifted, yet the child continues to wander. But they prayed through. And then they come to this place where they're just at peace. Not that they're at peace with the fact that their, their child could be lost forever, but that God has got it. I hope that makes sense. Because church, we need to be a people of prayer. And I believe that Hannah comes before us with, with this. And maybe we could just take, take this on. And so here's how, here's how I'd like to close today. I, I just think it's very appropriate that we spend some time in prayer in closing. So Mia, maybe you want to just come and just play a little bit. And I, I, and, and I want to invite us to a place and a position of prayer 
I'm assuming some things today. I'm assuming that most of us in this room, if not all of us, have something going on, have some kind of a burden. A person, an issue, a circumstance that you have been praying for or really you should be praying for. A burden that you are carrying or you're acknowledging in this moment, this is one that I, I should be carrying. Maybe, maybe until today you haven't known how to, um, how, how to really persistently pray. And the Lord is showing you, you know, you, you, can, you can continue to bring this out to me. You were in anguish yesterday. I know you're in anguish today. Let's just, just bring it to me again. And maybe you've been doing this for days, weeks, months, maybe even years. And today you're being given permission to continue to do so until you pray through. So Holy Spirit, we've invited you into this place. We've declared our our need for you and we, we choose now to engage in prayer be at a level that we haven't done so today yet. And church, we have some of our prayer team here today, and I want to invite them, if, they're, if, if they could, to come and just make themselves available on these front rows. We have some that would love to assist you in prayer if, if, if that is a need that you have today. So, with the Spirit guiding you, I just want to invite you to prayer. You can pray right where you're seated, but you might be prompted to move, to move forward. Maybe you want to kneel right here on these stairs, making them an altar. Maybe you need some guidance with your prayer, someone to just put an arm around you and provide some strength. Let's pour ourselves out today. Let's call upon the name of the Lord, maybe at a level that you may have never done before. So Holy Spirit, be our strength, be our guide. Be our deliverer, be our overcomer, be our all in all. It's just you and Jesus, church, you and Jesus. Call out.
I want to ask Brandon to come stand right here next to me. You may or may not have met Brandon yet. He's pretty new to our fellowship, but he has just brought a testimony to me that I, I think you need to hear, that we all should hear this morning. The Lord brought me to to Colorado. I mean, it's 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 circumstances that you probably wouldn't even believe if I took the time to tell you. As you get to know me, you know I'm sure you'll 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 hear about him more. But he brought me to Tim Parker's house. Or me and Tim Parker were opposite people, but I mean we we we, we get along like brothers and. and there's no place that he could have. I'll, I'll hold it for you. you can no place that he could have took me better than that. But I know I've, I've been coming to church here off and on since since about October when I first got here. I knew for sure this wasn't the church for me. You know, I a, a Nazarene church. You know, I, but uh, the more I've been coming, you know, the, the the more me and Brian have been talking, and and I know this is absolutely the the place for me. And I 
I've been around, around, you know, church my whole life. You know, I know the Bible inside and out. Thought I was saved as a child. Really got saved when I was 19. But me and, and God, we've been on some roller coaster rides for sure. But I do know one thing for sure that, that Brian is the absolute man for this church. And I believe he is 100% of God. And I want to join this church and I want to, to dedicate spiritually, physically, financially to back up any, you know, any, any dream or vision that Brian has for this church because if it comes out of his mouth, I know it's coming from God. Wow, that's scary, and, but okay. <laughs> Pressure's on. <laughs> but I just hope you can, can accept me into your family and this is absolutely the place I'm supposed to be. And wow. maybe my family soon too. Wife and son, wife and kind son. of around. So we're, kind we're, of around. we're pray, praying for that. Yep. Well, thank you, Brandon, for sharing um, your heart with us today. I, that's, uh, I will just clarify a little bit. I really don't, this isn't about me. I can tell what he's saying is the Lord is speaking to his heart. It, because it, because that's who we're about. We're about the Lord. This is not about me here. So we'll, we'll, we'll continue that. Maybe there's others that just, maybe there's someone here this morning that would like to share a testimony about praying through. Uh, we've heard a testimony about dedication. Is there, is there someone here that could share a testimony praying through what, what, what that journey is like or has been like for you. Is there anyone here like that? Yes, Bernie, thank you. Can you are you comfortable coming up? Because we've got folks watching on on the internet and I want them to see your beautiful face. Not just hear your beautiful <laughs> Thank you. The, the thing that stands out most to me as far as praying through is I have <clears throat> three wonderful children and you know they've been they were easy to raise um, good-hearted loving hard-working kids two my two oldest children are gay and um, my my middle child Derek came clean or came out of the closet when he was pretty young he was I think before his eighth grade year and I wasn't, um, really wasn't shocked um, simply because of his uh, temperament and et cetera, his personality. Uh, I was heartbroken and really scared. But then my daughter, my oldest, um, blew me out of the water uh, when she um, came out of the closet really wasn't in the closet. It's complicated, but she had had a boyfriend all through college, and she fell in love with another gay woman. And that turned my life upside down. Um, partly my own pride. You know, it's hard to say that you have one gay child. Say I have two gay children. 
was just overwhelming, and I went through years of guilt and questioning what could I have done differently, what did I do wrong, years of anguish. Love these kids. And, sorry, a bit longer than no, that. Perfect. Um, God just kept telling me, love kids through it. So all of a sudden, this burden that I had, I had to let go. And instead of concentrating on what God was going to change or what I thought I could change or what they should change, that focus went to God. And I really have prayed that through. It's not that it's easy. It's not that I don't worry. It's not that I don't pray. It's not my burden anymore. Mm -hmm. And what's been amazing about it is I'm conflicted. It would be much easier to accept if I wasn't a believer. But the anguish is gone. They are God's children. They were God's children when they were born. They're beautiful people. And I have to focus on how I can love them best. And that, for me, was um, liberating really isn't the right word. It was freeing that it's not my burden. There is nothing I can do about it. It's God. And God is so bigger than all this. That's what I focus on, and that's what gives me. Thank you, Bernie. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, I, I think you can you can hear in that things that resonate with all of us. And again, it, it, it follows right with with Hannah's reality. The praying through does not equal immediate solution. It's still hanging out there. But I think Bernie nail, nails it with, with the phrase, it's now, the burden isn't mine anymore, it, it's, it's God's. That's, that's, the, that's the landing part of praying through. You're, you're, you've kind of come to a place where you've really just completely handed it over to God. It's, you're released from the weight of that anguish. Whether or not the change has occurred or the results have unfolded, it's freeing, it's liberating, um, and that that is the fruit of of praying through. And I just believe that God is as at work, and and I think He's at work even through this this message that that and, and from a place of hopelessness. Real hope springs forth because of God. And that is our reality because, because of Jesus. He's already accomplished overcoming the enemy, overcoming the world, overcoming sin, all of that stuff that in Hannah's day was not accomplished yet. For us, we're on the other side of the cross. Victory is ours. We, we are overcomers because he has overcome. Um, and so we know when we pray through, man, there, there's, 
It's like an, an, an extra portion of, of hope and victory is ours because of what Jesus has done on the cross for us already. So Jesus, we honor you today with all of this. Take our burdens, our concerns, our worries, our stresses, all these things, and, and, and especially these things that we're praying for and praying through on. Give us the fortitude, the strength, the, the courage, the confidence to pray through. No matter how difficult, no matter how big the mountain may be, no matter how impossible the request might seem, the fact is you are God. And you have already overcome the world. What could we possibly bring to you that would be impossible for you? Thank you for the victory and the answers that are coming. And we pray these things in Christ's mighty name. Amen. We stand with me. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you. Be gracious to you. May he fill you with his peace. May you walk in that peace this week. I hope you have an amazing one, and we'll see you next Sunday. Thank you.